0: Duke fans. Hello and welcome. We are episode number 185 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. We are coming to you over the weekend. We didn't have any games, but that doesn't mean that we didn't want to talk to each other and record some things for you. We previewed this week's games against Pittsburgh and Syracuse, and we're going to do a little deep dive into the ACC in general and kind of who will make the tournament. But first, as always, I'm Donald Wine. I am captaining this ship this week, uh, coming to you from uh, what is an interesting Washington, D.C. right now. Um, right now, we also have uh, Sam Klein. We have him in Durham, North Carolina. Sam, what's going on down in Durham?
1: Uh, it's sleepy in Durham. As you noted, no basketball games this weekend. So, so it was a little bit of time off for us from basketball. And everything else is good, man.
0: And from Atlanta, apparently now unfortunately in a world where unc has won this decade jason evans <laughs> <laughs> how are you feeling this morning
2: yeah yeah unfortunately the the tar heels do have a victory now in the decade um uh, i i'm feeling pretty good this morning i've got a uh, i've got a nice hot cup of tea so that's doing me well in the cold weather that we're experiencing
0: jason apparently forgetting the cardinal rule that if you bring something to show and tell you bring enough everyone in the class um but, i have uh, a, I have into... a
1: cold i have a cold seltzer water today and i just have water like there's more Y'all there's more in the me? fridge if you if you need any
2: my, my tea is put this in the chat my, my tea is acai berry tea it is outstanding and i put a ton of sugar in it it's basically sugar water with a little bit of tea so if you guys want to share I on I think that my sugar Let's take a pause. You can go into your kitchen, get the hot water ready, and we can all share.
0: That's going to take a (laughs) minute. But you know what? Let's go ahead and preview the games this week. We'll start with the game on Tuesday night. Pittsburgh in Cameron. My recollection, guys, the first time since Jeff Capel took over that he will return to Cameron as the coach of the Panthers. Uh, I'm going to start with Jason. Jason, tell us what we should expect this week. At least on tuesday night when capel and the
2: panthers come to camera uh, so pittsburgh is a team that uh, a few days ago i was sort of thinking to myself i was looking ahead at the acc and i was like you know this pit team could actually make some waves in the conference a little bit um it, it's it's not outside the realm of possibility they've they've had a tough schedule and they've got a tough schedule They're, they're they, unfortunately, are a team that just, like, the scheduling gods did them no favor. They play Florida State twice. They play Louisville twice. They have Duke on the road. Um, that, that's a really, really tough combination for, for any team in the conference. Uh, that said, this is a pit team that is capable of winning games against good teams. As demonstrated by the opening game, the very first game of the season, they beat Florida State. Now, look, uh, Florida State, that's their only loss in the ACC. Florida State is a legit national title contender. They're absolutely, you know, one of the front runners for the ACC title. If Pitt beat them, Pitt can beat anybody. But on the other hand, you look at some other Pitt results, literally, literally the game after they beat Florida State, they lost to Nichols State. Nichols State is barely a top 200. They're, you know, in some metrics, they're not even a top 200 team. So uh, this is a, it, this Pitt team is just hard to figure out exactly what they're going to be. They're very streaky. People who've watched a lot of their games say that this is a team that's capable of, you know, going on a big run and going on a big drought, which is not a great thing. They're not a very good three-point shooting team. Um, uh, they're in the bottom 30 or so teams in the country and, and hitting their three-pointers, only hitting 30% of their three-point shots is, is just not good. They are a terrible, terrible defensive rebounding team. I think that they are last in the country. They're like in the bottom two or three in the country at defensive rebounding. And obviously that is something we've talked all season that offensive rebounds have been something that Duke has been really, really good at. And I mean, for this pit team to, for this pit team to be a team that's so bad at defensive rebounding, Duke is exactly the kind of team that should be able to present them with some real problems in terms of their players. Um, their, uh, their, their best players are, are all pretty much in the backcourt. Um, Trey McGown's uh, uh, Xavier Johnson are, are probably their their two top scorers, their two top players from the perimeter. Um, they they shoot a pretty fair number of three pointers, um, and you know they're they're hitting a decent number of them. They've got a a a, a transfer named Ryan Murphy, um, who who just bombs away from three. He he typically comes off the bench, but he plays kind of starter minutes, um, and you can count on him to to probably shoot at least four or five three-pointers in this game. And he's someone who's capable of getting hot and really shooting you out of the game. They don't have a lot up front. They don't have a lot of really, uh, you know, guys who are who are blocking a lot of shots or, or presenting real challenges on the boards. And I could see this being one of the games – a lot of people feel like Vernon Carey has struggled in recent games. If you look at the stats, he he has not – the player that Vernon Carey was in December, early January, he has not been through the middle of January. Um, I, you know, there, there's a freshman wall that these guys run into, and, and I think Vernon Carey is right up against that freshman wall. Pitt is the kind of team that he could really, really get healthy against. So I, I would say as long as Pitt isn't really successful from three-point range, they take a lot of threes. If they're not really successful from three-point range, they're probably going to really have a tough time staying within double figures of Duke, especially considering that the Blue Devils have had a week off. Um, time to recharge our batteries and really get ready for a for a strong push and, and some more challenge more challenging games at least on paper that are coming up that Jason you mentioned
1: that Pittsburgh takes a lot of threes unfortunately for them they don't make a lot of threes so yeah defending out there is important for Duke but but as you said if this is a game where Vernon Carey is going to bounce back Pittsburgh not being a great shooting team is a great opportunity for Carey to hopefully get more rebounds, not feel like he has to even if Pitt's shooting a lot of threes, if Duke's defensive style is to sort of let them take bad shots and then and then clean up the rebounds, that could be a, a perfect opportunity for Kerry to get more rebounds, play a little bit more of the defense that he wants to play and and start the break a little faster. That's the that's the kind of game that that I think Duke wants to see from him. And th- this is a pit team, as you mentioned, that is sort of up and down. They they also like recently almost lost to Boston College who is bad don't, don't don't lose to Boston College you don't want to do that so um, I think it's a I, I think it's a good opportunity for Duke especially at home where it'll be it, it's obviously a little bit emotional for this team and for the coaching staff to play against Jeff Capel maybe they can contain that a little bit with them with playing the game in Cameron although it is another one of these late starts on Tuesday night uh,
2: you know yeah, uh, that's th- th- so really quick, Sam brought, and then Donald, because I'm, Sam brought it up, the the loss to Boston College. I didn't harp on this enough, what a up and down team this Pitt team is. It's kind of unbelievable. They lost to Wake. You said they almost lost to Boston College? They, they almost lost to, lost Wake to Boston Forest. College. Wait, wait. They yeah. lost to Wake Forest. And it was a home game. They lost to Wake Forest at home. And you'd be like, oh, my God, they must be terrible. But then they almost beat Louisville. They They went to overtime with Louisville. It's like against the really good teams, the Florida States, the Louisvilles, they're, they're, they're really competitive. Uh, that's bad news for Duke. Against the bad teams, the Boston College, the Wake Forests and the such, they lose those games. So it's kind of I, I, – I I can't figure them out. They, they could be dangerous, and they could also be terrible.
0: Despite all that, despite the inconsistency that you guys have mentioned, I'm looking at one thing. Jeff Capel is coming back to Cameron for the first time as Pitts coach. And that is an intangible that we, that Pitt has not, not had to deal with so far in his tenure. And I guarantee you that if there is a time where these guys are going to be on the higher end of that inconsistency is going to be on Tuesday night, because you have to, they're going to come in. And, you know, we, we know Jeff Capel loves Duke. We know he, uh, I mean, he's been a part of the program for a long time. He's won a couple national championships with us as a coach. This guy Loves lives, breeds Duke, and he is the coach of the Panthers. But Pitt is going to want to come in and win this game for him. Uh, He's not going to say it, but I know his players are going to try and come in and win for him. So we have to expect that all of these things that we have, you know, all all these things where Pitt can't shoot well, they can't rebound well. We have to expect they're going to do all of these things extremely well on Tuesday night, and we have to be ready for that. I think our players will be ready but we have to make sure we mind our P's and Q's because Pitt is, like you said, they can be dangerous. They can play good teams really well. And if they do that on Tuesday night, we're not ready. This could be an upset in the making. So I think that's going to do it for Pitt, and we are going to move on to the game on Saturday night. We travel to Syracuse to take on the Orange. Sam, you've been taking a look at them. What can we expect on Saturday?
1: So we were talking about how Pittsburgh is sort of this weird up and down team. Syracuse is much more consistent. They, for where they rank in in Ken Palm and in the net, they're 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 sort of right in the fifties. They're they're about they're fifty in Ken Palm right now, and they're sixty six in the net. and their results to this point in the season would sort of bear that out. They've lost games to higher ranked opponents like Iowa, Penn State, um, these types of teams that are that are more solidly in the. NCAA tournament conversation and they've mostly beaten the teams that are beneath them. We're going to talk a little bit more in the next segment about kind of the rest of the ACC and the, and the very wide ACC middle that's <laughs> sort of like on the bubble, like on the wrong side, mostly on the wrong side of the bubble right now. Syracuse is in that group. They've got a couple losses in that group, but, but none that are, that are so terrible. So taking a look at them individually, they're, they're really led by, um, uh, by two wing players who who are most of their production, Junior Elijah Hughes and then sophomore Buddy Bayheim, of course, Jim Jim Bayheim's son. um, these are the guys who who are kind of in charge of the offense and and the offense is is pretty good for Syracuse. Both of these guys are are better than thirty eight percent from three. So they're taking a lot of shots and making them, again, in contrast to the to the Pittsburgh team we were just talking about. So containing the three point shooting for Syracuse is going to be important. And then, of course, on the defensive side of the ball, Syracuse is not great this year at, at running the zone. Their their defensive efficiency is is pretty well down in the rankings. But it is a different challenge, the less of which Duke hasn't really had to to play against this year. So, just like we talk about every year when we when we're about to see Syracuse, it's it's what is Duke's game plan going to be? And because the Duke personnel change a lot every year, we sort of come in with only limited knowledge about how duke is going to attack the zone which players are going to be are going to be most effective and I, I think because of the changing nature of duke's offensive game different guys getting hot at different times we i don't think we really know what version of duke we're going to see on offense the most important thing is to contain syracuse's three point shooters because that's where um that's where where they can do a lot of damage but like i said they're they're strong against, against the bad teams. They don't have the, any of these big wins yet. Duke coming to the Carrier Dome. I, I, think, I think they still call it the Carrier Dome. Maybe they, they Didn't they rename it? Didn't they get a new uh, I think it's still the Carrier sponsor?
2: Dome. They were talking they about getting talking, a new sponsor. No, I'll, keep,
1: the I'll, I'll research real quick. <laughs> All right. Donald's doing the research. I uh, hang mean,
2: on. I don't care what Donald's research says. If, if, yeah. it's the, if it's the corporate sponsorship dome, I don't care. It's the Carrier Dome. It well, shall the, always car- be the Carrier, carrier Dome.
1: Carrier Dome is a is a corporate sponsor name, so so we can change yes. that. That's okay. It is still it is uh, still the Carrier Dome. It's still the Carrier Dome. All right. Yes. Is it Carrier it's Air carrier. Conditioning? Yes, yeah, yep. Carrier Air Conditioning. I, I did not which know is, that. Which I don't is care. Great. It's the Carrier which Dome, great, <laughs> which is great for a dome. You know, that's a it's a great it's a very logical sponsor. Did you see mm-hmm. that the total tangent? Did you see that the Brewers lost Miller as a as the sponsor name, or that Miller lost the sponsorship to being Miller Park at the anyway. Totally off they topic. announced that that's last that's year when I at a game at Miller it, it Park. Really and is, was, it really is. Everyone terrible. was freaking out. It's really that's terrible. Awful. It's like it's the best. It's like one of the best corporate sponsor like tie-ins, and and they lost it anyway. That's Miller's fault, not ours. So, so Syracuse still plays. I thought, anyway. I, I it, it, regardless. Most important thing for Duke in this game is to is to contain Syracuse's shooters. They had um, they had some good production from the inside in their recent win against Pittsburgh, but but their offense really runs through the shooters. Duke should be able to um, Duke should be able to to match them up pretty well. And then on the offensive end, I'll I'll give it to either of you if you tell me what you think Duke's offensive game plan is, even day to day against normal defenses. I will commend you against the zone. It's I think it's a wait-and-see approach, uh, and and maybe we find out in the first five minutes of the game what it is, but given how many rotations there are, um, I, th- there's a lot of ways this game can go for Duke on the offensive end.
0: The great thing about the, the matchup zone is it throws many different looks at you, but the other thing is on the offensive side, if you're facing a matchup zone, you kind of have to take what the defense gives you, in the first few minutes of the game. So, you know, it's not like a you know packed in 2-3 where, you know, there are going to be wings open and you can just shoot around it and hopefully you make all your threes. The matchup zone is going to be a guy that's still going to be in your face, but it, this, it deals a lot with communication and switch-offs. So I think the idea is going to be to try and shoot over it, but it's going to be something where if, if there's an opening in the middle of the zone in the first few minutes of the game, Coach K is going to try and split that.
2: Yeah, the, and, the,
1: and what I'm, what I don't know is, and, and maybe Jason, you have an idea, is is who the exact personnel are that are going to be be performing that. Maybe, Jason, do you have an idea for that?
2: Yeah, and and that's a huge key in this game. If you've watched Duke play Syracuse in the past, which we all have, what what we generally try to do is you try and get a guy who's a smart decision maker and a decent passer and ball handler right there at the in the middle of the zone in the high post. That, that tends to be the spot that opens up, and you get the ball there, and usually they can see different angles of, of where to make things happen, either a pass to someone on the wing, a pass to someone in the low post, maybe even taking a short jumper themselves. So who is that I, on this team? You know who I would have pegged? I would have said, that's going to be Wendell Moore. I think that would have been an absolutely ideal spot for him, especially because he was someone who was so capable of taking that ball and attacking the basket. I think it's probably Cassius Stanley with Wendell Moore not in there. And again, Cassius is going to if you get Cassius in there, he is going to attack the basket. Um, and that could be you know, I could see Cassius potentially having a huge game against Syracuse from that spot in the middle of the zone. If, if he's the guy that goes there. Also, earlier in the year, Duke was doing a really nice job with Carey and Hurt, mostly Hurt. Um, or Jack White uh, getting to that spot at feeding the high post into the low post. We talked about it on the podcast earlier in the year that Duke was doing such a great job of going high, low post feeding. Um, I could see Jack White. I could see Matthew Hurt doing a lot of that to Vernon Carey and potentially to Javin Delorier down low. Um, this is uh, one of those
1: Be- this is one of those instances where I wish we had one more game to see if the Matthew Hurt from last week is still Matthew Hurt of this mm-hmm. week, if he's still active on offense, finding his spots, because that might indicate that, that he is, is going to thrive in, in this game against Syracuse. I, I'm glad you mentioned Matthew Hurt because he's the one that I
0: think is the most intriguing person to put in that position. I think you're right. Cassius Stanley is probably the guy that makes the most sense. But if Matthew Hurt can get in that zone, the one thing about the matchup zone is that the mismatches are, are right there in the middle. And if you have Matthew Hurt, who's 6'10", he's not going to be going up against a guy his size. The way the the matchup zone will shift around, he's going to end up with a guard that's 6'3", maybe 6'4". And he's going to be able to pop that all day. But the question is, Sam, yes, can he hit that shot if we have the Matthew Hurt from last week? Then the answer is yes, and we may see him more in that position. But if not, you're going to want the athleticism of someone like Stanley who can shoot or also drive and create the mismatch on his own.
2: So, so the other thing I would say about Syracuse, just really quick, I feel like this is a different-looking Syracuse team than we have seen in the past. Usually Syracuse is all these really, really long guys. Uh, this year, just the necessity of the roster, they've had to go with guys who are really good shooters. I mean, you, you already mentioned Buddy Boeheim. um you, you did mention Joe Girard. Joe Girard's a guy that Duke recruited – not that heavily but Duke was after him some he set the New York State high school scoring record this is a guy who bombs from three this is a this Syracuse team will shoot from anywhere on the floor
1: New but, York State New York State a state that used to produce a lot of good basketball players
2: used to yes mm. <laughs> in, no New in Yorkers, any event
1: no New Yorkers on this podcast to get angry about, about, <laughs> about the event in,
2: in any event my, my point is going to be uh, th- those guys are not they're not particularly long they aren't the typical Syracuse Lengthy player that we've seen in the past, and it's interesting to see the way that the the team has adjusted. That Syracuse has adjusted to having different kind of personnel this year, and and they seem to have figured it out lately. I mean, you pointed out, Sam, they've won five in a row in the ACC. There are not many teams that have done that.
1: Yeah, they've they've come on hot. I think at the right time, and and as my sort of preview for the next segment. I think Syracuse is actually regardless of how the game goes this weekend, Syracuse is in a good position in the ACC. They have they have a fairly light schedule ahead of them. So, uh, they're probably looking at this as as one of their their big opportunities to make a statement to say, "Hey, maybe at the end of the season they look like a 9, 10, 11 seed. A, uh, a win against Duke even if it is at the Carrier Dome could be the thing that that bumps them up into the um, you know, in, into the other side of the eight seed or, or something like that.
0: As always, this episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by those fine gentlemen at Bird Campbell, PA, with law offices in Florida and Texas. For any of your business legal needs, you know. Bird Campbell means business. Check them out at birdcampbell.com and we thank them for their continued support of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Okay, gentlemen, we we had a little segue and I think it's a good time to start discussing it. You know, the, the games are over and now let's take a deep dive at what we've seen so far in the ACC and what we think is going to happen moving forward with regards to the NCAA tournament. I I think we can all all agree that there are three teams that are kind of the class of the ACC so far this year. Uh, That'd be Duke, Florida State, and Louisville. Now the question is who's number four, who's number
1: five? were those the four teams that we thought were going to be the class of the ACC at the beginning of the season? Nope, not at all. Even to this point. I think two of those teams were were clearly in the top. Yeah, I mean Duke, State, and Duke, Duke and Louisville. Duke were one and two. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. happened? What happened to UVA and UNC? Where Where'd those guys go?
0: I mean, we could talk anyway, about. We've talked about UNC. We'll get- we have, they have dominated our podcast long enough. We're going to slide them to the side. We're talking about the middle of the pack. They can't even say that the middle of the pack. Right <laughs> that's now. that's so, not where UNC is these days. <laughs> that's not where they are. So, I mean, yes, we are talking about teams like you know Pitt, Syracuse, who were playing this week. Uh, UVA. What NC State, there's a lot of guys that are Virginia nestled Tech. right there in that peloton. Uh, who is going to be – I'll start with you, Jason. Who do you think is going to be the team that we see in that fourth and fifth position at the end of the
2: season? So uh, the And by the way, the reason we're talking about fourth and fifth is that I think the consensus is that the ACC is going to send four, maybe five teams to the NCAA tournament, which is way different. I mean, look, in recent years – We've been guessing at, you know, eight, nine teams potentially making the NCAA tournament. Um, and, and there is still a possibility, and it's not a crazy possibility, that the ACC only sends three teams to the dance because all the rest of these teams keep on playing each other and losing games that you feel like they should have won. And as a result, they're all hovering around 500. And I don't think, 500 in the ACC is not getting you in the NCAA tournament with the quality of the conference this year. In fact, remember, we're playing a 20 game schedule. I'm not even sure that 11 and 9 gets you in. Uh, it'll be close. If you're 11 and 9, you'll be on the bubble. I think if you're 12 and 8 in the conference, that's the mark. 12 and 8 gets you to the NCAA tournament, in my opinion. And I'm just not sure how many teams can get to 12 and 8. I mean, Syracuse is halfway there. Syracuse has six wins. Syracuse is 6 and 3. We already talked about Syracuse a little bit. Their schedule is very easy. Um, overall, and and they've got a, a reasonably easy schedule um, in the back half here. And so, I what's mean, Syracuse... So-
1: but, but what's tough, Jason, for a team like Syracuse is, and this is what I was saying in the in the preview for our game coming up, they don't have that many opportunities, as none of the ACC teams do. They don't have that many opportunities for a really quality win. So they can keep beating up on the teams that are in the 60s, 70s, 80s in Kenpom I don't think that that gives them a huge boost up into the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm.
0: But also, here's the other thing. we're, we're As you guys mentioned earlier, we're, we're dealing with an ACC that we're doing 20 games this year for the first time. And I think that's a dynamic that we haven't really experienced. And we, we think we can predict what's going to happen, but I don't think we really know. Here's why. A lot of times when a team is 500 or so entering the ACC tournament, they have a couple of quality wins where they're saying, hey, just win one game in the ACC tournament, and we're, and you guys are solidly off the bubble. This is that's,
1: that's Duke. That's Duke from a couple of years ago. Yes, when when um, we won the ACC tournament, not being in a position of strength and having to play four games in four days. In four days, right? And then you also have, I mean,
0: even just like Syracuse has gotten to the tournament several times over the last decade because they were around 500, hovering at the bubble, enter the tournament, and then enter the ACC tournament, won a game or two, and then that was the strength that got them in. So we still have that. And I think the ACC is is still regarded high enough that if you're at 500 this year, one or two wins in the ACC tournament may get you in. But I think it also depends on the teams that you will be playing. If you're playing in that first day, yeah, you may be beating, you know, a team that's not very good, but if you're that you the if next day
1: in college or a, or a wake forest, it doesn't mean anything.
0: Right. But that means the next day you are playing somebody who is considered pretty good. And if you beat that team, then that is another quality. When that, especially when we talk about the incidentally tournament, they're always talking about the last 10, how you're doing at the point. Some of these teams can go on a run. And if they go on a run and and, and hit that ACC tournament doing something, then there's a shot of maybe getting six or seven teams in. I just don't think that, we're looking at eight or nine. I think that's out of the
2: question. Uh, yeah, look, Donald. It's clear. There's no way eight or nine, even six. I think is it's just not going to happen unless you know three teams get incredibly hot and just start winning all their games. It would have Sam, to be like
1: three of the right teams, and all of them mm-hmm. would have to be really good. And yeah, like like, like the, the the top three in the ACC would all have to fall off a little bit for that to happen.
2: Well, I, I don't even know about that. I mean, if you if you win all your games against the rest of the conference that is not named Duke Louisville and Florida State you're making the NCAA tournament there's no question about that uh, the problem is there's no one in the conference who's shown an ability to consistently win those those big games i mean literally yesterday we had nc state losing to georgia tech a, not an embarrassing loss but if you're going to be a tournament team kind of game sort of the game that you should win and we had virginia tech losing to boston college well that's a game you definitely should win <laughs> I, I had pegged Virginia Tech when we were coming into this conversation. Virginia Tech was the team that I was like, that's the club that's going to kind of rise up and surprise people. And, and look, uh, most people thought Virginia Tech was going to be like twelfth, thirteenth, or lower in the ACC. The fact that they are even in our conversation right now is a real testament to them. Um, their 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 schedule down the stretch isn't super difficult, so uh, I, I think they have a have a decent chance to. to to maybe go on a little bit of a run here and, and, and uh, you know, and maybe get close to the 11 or 12 ACC conference wins, but God, that game yesterday that when they, they lost to Boston college, it's just every one of these teams with maybe with the exception of Syracuse, you know, the past five games that they've won, but all these other teams, I keep on looking at them and thinking, Oh, this is their moment. This is when they're going to start to rise up and separate themselves from the pack. And then it doesn't happen. I mean, You've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six teams with four or five losses right now in the conference. It's the great unwashed middle. And, and I haven't seen anything from any of them that shows me this is a team that's going to be able to play consistently good basketball and, 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 and become consistent enough to show themselves to be a tournament team. I, I guess it's Syracuse. You know, maybe it's NC State I, or Virginia Tech. Yeah, I, I was actually about to say if, you. If Virginia you, can ever play any offense, it's Virginia, but they haven't so yeah. far.
1: Both both NC State and Syracuse have have shown that they are capable of like beating the bottom. Uh, it's the it's the the beating the top that that they haven't done yet, and they don't get that many opportunities. I think both Syracuse and NC State. Well, if, if we're taking this sort of in summary, Jason already mentioned Virginia Tech. I think. Syracuse, NC State, and, and UVA all have ways into the tournament from, from where they stand right now, but, but all need to prove something. I, I, they're you know probably right on the bubble or, or, or maybe on the slightly wrong side of it, but there's a lot of time left so, so, in the season.
2: Sam, are you saying you think that, that you can't really make the NCAA tournament unless you have one of these high-quality wins against a Duke? I think, Bowl, I think you they, have to have that, one.
1: Um, because they, because they break down the, when the, when the committee's looking at this, they break down your schedule into these chunks, right? The, what, what they call Tears, the quadrants. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, the quadrants, but, but I mean, uh, you know, uh, wins against Syracuse and NC state, th- those are like top 50 teams. Virginia is about a top 50 team. I mean, wins against those kind of teams. Even if you win on the road against a, a Virginia tech, right. It's or, the,
1: it's the it,
2: or a Notre Dame the, the, I the mean,
1: road games, the road games matter for those, for those teams. Um, but let's see, I'm looking at. I'm looking at NC state schedule. I guess they've got, they've got a close win at UVA, which, which is, I think is, is that's more a tier impressive. One than win. We, that's a yeah, tier one it, win. Yeah. is more impressive than we give it credit for. Uh, um, so um, that that's one, Um but home against Clemson, home against Miami, um, home against Notre Dame. Like that's, that's the rest of their schedule. Otherwise it, it, it it's, it's road losses for NC state. So, um so one good one, one, win for them that that kind of stands out and it's not that's a win that you would want to put like you know second or third on your on your list of wins as opposed to like this is the only highlight from their season uh and it's against like if UVA continues to fall off then that win doesn't even look that good so it it's still pretty precarious grounds for NC State to be making the tournament but they have opportunities against Duke and against um against Louisville like to to beat these teams they get um they get both Duke and Louisville in in uh, Raleigh so that that helps them because they get a little bit of the home crowd advantage they also have to play Duke here in Cameron toward the end of the season so um, they have opportunities ahead of them but I still think they have they have to win at least one more of those of those higher quality games UVA right now is like the only win worth talking about on NC State's schedule
2: NC State so, has a NC State has a tough schedule coming home and, and the last thing I'll say about this and, and then Donald you can wrap it up I, I firmly believe, I, I will go on the record right now, if you get to 12 wins, if you get to 12 wins in the ACC, you're making the NCAA tournament, unless you do something stupid like lose your first-round game in the, in the ACC tournament. If you get to 12 wins in the regular season, I think you're getting in, whether those wins come against Duke, Florida State, Louisville, or you just happen to be the team that, that wins a bunch of games against that, that other middle-tier teams. Can anyone get to 12 wins? That's the question as far as I'm concerned.
0: So to wrap it up, I think when we're looking at this schedule and we're looking at the twenty-one, 20 game schedule, I should say, I'm comparing this also, not just the ACC, but the other conferences as well. We've talked so much this year about how college basketball as a whole is down. And when you look at some of these conferences, they're just as bad as the ACC is. It's about perception. And even, you know, we have the oh top wait, three. Wait,
2: wait, dude, dude, dude. The- the big 10 the big east the big 12 they're having good years but if you look at
0: some of these teams the individual teams they're not like look i saw Mer- yeah, all the
2: all
1: the all the teams in the all the teams in the big 10 that are that are good um all have bad losses so yeah sorry. everyone has a bad
0: <laughs> loss this year everyone you know I mean if you're looking at some of these wins some of these wins aren't when they i guarantee you when they look at it they're going to say oh these wins actually aren't that great because, again, I think as a whole, college basketball has been down this year. And I do think that the ACC has fallen, you know, this year. But that's not saying that. I mean, I think the only conference that I could theoretically say has risen its level this year is the Pac 12. And the Pac 12 last year was terrible. So, that is, I mean, everyone else has okay, been yeah, about yeah. the same or or worse this year, in my opinion.
2: Yes, the, the Pac-12 was horrible last year, and they are and they're tolerable. fine now. They're decent they're, this year. They're, <laughs> they're decent this year. Okay, <laughs> how can have you paid attention to the big? There are twelve teams in the Big Ten. I am serious about this. There are twelve teams in the Big Ten who had legitimate cases to make the NCAA tournament. And there's, and there's also
1: you. there's also a very logical world where highest team in the big 10 is a four seed in the NCAA oh, yeah. tournament
2: oh I'm I'm real clear right. the big 10 somehow has 12 teams that are ranked in the top 40 and zero teams that are ranked in the top 10 uh, you know they don't have it there's not a single yeah. you know sort of national championship contender in the big 10 but I, I absolutely think they're going to be teams that are that are going to uh, does the big 10 play an eight I think do they play a 20 I think they play a 20 game schedule
1: they must like, there's they, 14 of them yeah
2: yeah I uh, 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 they're going to be teams that are going to be below 500 in the Big 10 who are still going to make the dance. We're talking about ACC teams need to go 12 and 8 in the Big 10. If you can get to 9 and 11, I think you're making the dance because there are so many.
1: Cuz you'll be a cuz cuz you can be a 10 or 11 seed with with that kind of record.
2: Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. yeah, the Big 10 is uh, literally every team between the like the number 5 seed and the number 10 seed is going to be a Big 10 team. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> I just say tournament. I mean
0: I'm saying I'm saying what I'm saying to say this. I don't think any any conference really scares me, right? Like they, I mean, it's just like in previous years where everyone was talking about it, the Big East is so great. They brought in ten out of eleven teams, and then all of them didn't make past the first weekend. It, this year, it feels like that. Where yes, the Big Ten could get 10, 11 teams if they want to, but none of them scare me, right? No team in the ACC scares me. We could lose to any of them, and we can beat all of them by thirty. That is what college basketball is. Right, you now. Ready,
1: ready, ready to here. Here we go. I'm walking down the Big Ten according to the net rankings. Right, mm-hmm. Michigan State is is the top team. Then Maryland. Okay, I think we. I think most people expected both of those teams to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. And if, the third the best numbers, team. So, according, give the numbers third so, third so people
2: team. recognize the numbers because the numbers are impressive. Like how many yeah. of these teams are in the top 30, top 40. Right.
1: Okay. the 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 other team that's in the top 20 of the net, uh, for the Big Ten. Do you know who it is? There are three. Illinois. Michigan State, Maryland. Nope. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. You should guess this team last normally from the Big Ten. It's Rutgers. Yeah, I said Rutgers. Oh, yeah, Rutgers. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay, you know what? I haven't watched Rutgers play, so I'm, you know, I'll, I'll I haven't seen that one. I don't know what's (laughs)
2: going on with Rutgers. Oh, yeah. Rutgers and Penn State are legit this year, are absolutely legit this year. Rutgers is six and three in the Big Ten, and they've got some good wins. Uh, In fact, um, someone,
1: Syracuse
2: or someone in the ACC beat beat Rutgers. And like, that's going to be like the best win on their resume.
0: Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, when it comes to the ACC, I think this this always happens every year. We talk about, you know, either we're really good or we're not as good, but there's going to be one or two teams in the middle of that pack that are going to start to make a run. Who are those teams going to be? I have no idea this year. Usually you could kind of predict who is going to be that team that kind of goes on a tear. But there's going to be a couple. Just the way the schedule lines up, the way – just like we have our January swoon in February, someone is going to soar that's not named Duke. Who is that team going to be? And I think that is going to help carry some of the rest of the teams up because if they've beaten them in the – past, again, a team that that you beat at the beginning of the season that was terrible, if they're good at the end of the year, that loss looks better. Same thing for wins. And I think at the end of the day, we'll probably get maybe five or six – we're not going to get eight or nine, so we don't have to worry about that. But we sometimes end up around six or seven teams. And I think that in the end of the day, we
1: will end up around that number. Jason, it was, it was uh, Pittsburgh uh, so, that, no. that beat Rutgers.
2: Okay, so Donald, you're wrong. The AC is not getting six or seven bits. I also nah, predicted that in, in my
1: prediction. So I'm just I'm taking just, just six, top, six tops. It's, it, it, it's really probably four or five.
2: Yes, I, I think six is not happening. i'm I'm hoping for four at this point. <laughs> it, there there
1: will be a fourth team because because someone has someone, some. someone will emerge out of it. that's mm-hmm. the, uh,
2: probably yeah. i I think four four for sure, five maybe six and
1: You know how the ACC doesn't get four teams in is if Cole Anthony comes back for UNC and then UNC goes on a run that doesn't get them into the tournament but puts them ahead of. All these other teams that we've been talking about.
2: Amen. You're, I think you're right. That that's exactly I mean, the, that. That that's the scenario where there are teams that get to maybe eleven and nine, and no one gets to twelve and eight, and forget about it. So UNC currently UNC, twice. UNC UNC currently we'll, we'll behind Stephen F. Before.
1: Austin. UNC is currently behind Stephen F. Austin in the net. I just I I looked it up just to be just to be sure. So you know whatever.
0: Beat them twice, then they won't make that run.
1: That's fine. We can do that.
0: Okay, guys, for our last thing, we're kind of foregoing parting shots this week and kind of lumping it all into one last story. The NCAA president, Mark Emmert, said that, you know, we are trying to – we're talking about paying players. We're talking about the consensus of whether we pay players how we do it. And he had a really good uh, address, at least, where he focused comments on this particular issue. Jason, I want to take it to you because you brought this to us and we were talking before the, the thing. So – Tell us about what Mark Emmert said and how that will affect the dynamic of college basketball.
2: So uh, Mark Emmert, uh, uh, Thursday evening, talked about to the end, it's like some NCAA leadership committee of some sort. Basically and, his and, like state of the union. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Yes. And, and he talked about name, likeness, and image. And, and, and he said that that there is a special committee that is working on how they work name, like, is, likeness, and image Rules into the current NCAA rules, how they allow players to profit off their name, likeness, and image, while not breaking the amateur model. And and let's not get into a discussion. I actually think the amateur model probably should be broken. <laughs> so you know, hey, that's that's life. Uh, but but uh, what I thought was very interesting was he said there's a clear consensus that we must get these rules changed. A- and at the same time, though. There's no clear consensus about how we change them, and I want to be like, I'm like, Mark, I, you, you just stated the obvious that everyone knows. You, if you can't provide any other insight than that, I don't even know what you're doing, man. Apparently, the thing they're working on the most right now, they've broken it down into three categories: individual licensing, group licensing, and work product. Individual licensing would be Zion Williamson goes out and makes an individual. Um, a uh, sponsorship deal, uh, endorsement deal on his own. Group licensing, which I hadn't thought about, which is a really interesting, and, and I I really like this idea a lot. That's the notion of um, the Duke basketball team. As a team, all the players get together and they do a licensing deal. Hi, we're the Duke basketball team. Um, and then work product is where apparently the NCA has been working the most. and And that's where the player actually does something. Um, not just their name and likeness. Um, So that's where the player maybe teaches lessons, where the player has their own business of some sort, or more specifically where the player gets money for their social media following. And Mark Emmert said that work product is is the place that's most likely to see changes in the future. And I actually think that's sort of the to some extent, that's the easiest one to t- to dip your toe in the pool because it makes the most sense. I mean, the way we are right now, players literally can't earn money from anything. You know, if you if there's a, a kid who's a great math student at Duke and someone says to him, I'll pay you to tutor my, my child, um, uh, you can't do the same thing if you're a basketball player. You can't tutor someone in basketball. You can't work at a basketball camp or anything like that. You can't you can't coach a basketball team on the side. I mean know, you can't. School. You just
0: can't get paid for it.
2: Right, exactly. Yes, right. It, yeah, to be more specific. You can do whatever <laughs> you want. Right. You just can't earn anything for it. Um and, and then and obviously the social media following is a very big deal. The idea that that Zion Williamson could not get sponsors for his social media feed, dude would have been making major, major bank if he could have. Um, but it just seems ridiculous. I'm glad the NCAA is looking at this. It's definitely an area that um feels like this is where they could start the process. It's also an area where for sure there's going to be problems if they, you know, if they really want to keep things on the up and up. I mean, if you allow folks to teach lessons, then someone, some booster is going to say, Hey, you know, Zion, when you teach my son how to shoot free throws, I'll pay you a thousand dollars an hour. Um, so it's problematic, but uh, you know, at least the NCAA is looking at this a little bit. Um, and, I, and I they're think... making some strides.
1: I think the logical conclusion to this has to be like a, a total undoing of their model as opposed to this incremental thing that Emirett is looking at. The question is when does the when do the incremental changes stop and, and the big changes start? That's where Mark Emmert probably isn't leading the organization anymore and that, that they come to the conclusion that, that they have to have they have to have other people driving the the you know the the new system here. But I don't think we're seeing that Soon, because the college presidents who who are ostensibly Mark Emmert's, you know, board of directors are are under little pressure individually to to make these wholesale changes.
0: I think the one thing that's, I mean, yes, is good that they're looking at it. Color me skeptical, and that they're going to do the right thing, or even get to a point where it'll match some of these uh, some of the legislation that's been passed uh, in California and other places, or at least being considered in other places and so i think that's the problem i think my gut tells me that they're going to do something but it's going to fall short and then we're going to have to revisit this conversation again and again and again that's what's the problem with the incremental phase of doing this is instead of just wholesale making this change and and really just ripping the band-aid off of the problem and putting an, and putting a new one on they're just going to try and put a little ointment around the sides and hope that you know this whole thing doesn't still sticks I, I that's the real issue for me, and and they haven't shown so far that they're willing to make the changes that are necessary to make this problem go away they're just hoping that if they apply it you know piece by piece that this house of cards will still stand and i, I think that's the real uh, that's where i'm skeptical and and yes it's good that they're looking at it we'll see what comes of it
2: so there are a couple of dates that people need to have in mind as they think about all of this in april the, this committee that Emirates has put together is going to have a report to the NCAA Board of Governors. We will know a lot, lot more about what recommendations they are making and what changes they are making in April. The other date, of course, is 2023, which is when the California law goes into place where the where California says either you let players make money off of name, likeness, and image, or they are not going to be part of the NCAA anymore. Um, or actually, what California said was... Uh, we're going to allow it to happen inside our borders. If you go to a California school, you can do this, and and the NCAA would then have to figure out how the heck to make California's rules fit with the rest of the of the NCAA. Uh, everyone knows that 2023 date for the California law is the ticking clock that must uh, that there must be a solution by then. If there's not a solution by then, the NCAA falls apart, in my opinion. It, it just doesn't work anymore. And and other states, you're going to see over the next several months other states are going to put the same legislation in place. So this, in April, when they come back with this report, I think that's going to be the big moment where we sort of begin to see the pathway that the NCAA is going to take to get to where California requires them to be in 2023. What we got so far is an idea from Mark Emmert that the first step is probably going to be this notion of work product, things like social media endorsement and, you know, and, and lessons and that kind of thing with, with the actual sponsorship, name likeness and image sponsorship stuff coming a little bit further down the road. But but I, I think the big changes we will hear about, there will be big changes, I, I, I suspect, when they when they make this announcement in April, when they have this report. And I bet the NCAA implements those changes almost immediately. Usually they would wait a while. I, I think there's such a timeline working on them that right now um, that that they're going to have to implement these things like for the next school year. So starting next fall, I bet you'll see some kind of way that players are making money off of work product.
0: Well, I hope you're right, Jason. It'll be something that certainly we will watch over the next few weeks and months. Uh, But for now, I think that will do it for this episode, episode 185 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. As always, we would like to thank Berg Campbell for their sponsorship and for their trust in us. Uh, Again, thank you guys, Sam and Jason, for being with me this week. I am Donald Wine. For those of you out there, we will be back soon after uh, probably next week after the games are done. But for now, Duke Band take us home.